to the Wagner Ministries International Podcast. As you listen to this message, our prayer is that you would be motivated and empowered to follow Christ and lead others to Him. Enjoy. God bless you, my friends. This is evangelist Kevin Wagner, founder of Wagner Ministries International, welcoming you to our podcast today. On our last podcast, we saw Peter's miraculous escape from prison, the way that God rescued him just in the nick of time from certain death. We learned that our prayers are needed and critical in moving God's hand to bring about great, even miraculous things in our lives today as well. I also encourage you to consider what in your life is keeping you chained, like Peter was, in an emotional prison that is keeping you from moving further along in your life with God and others. I truly hope that you will take these emotional bondages to Jesus and ask Him to release you as He did Peter, so that you can move more completely into the abundant and full life that Jesus wants you to have. Today we finish the end of Acts chapter 12. In our last podcast, you remember we ended with Peter's escape and the guards in King Herod's frantic search for him. We also began to see the type of man that King Herod was. Today, we're going to see more completely the dark face of this first century tyrant. Let's read Acts 12, 18 to 25 together. In the morning, there was no small commotion among the soldiers as to what had become of Peter. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards and ordered that they be executed. Then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robe, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. But the word of God continued to spread and flourish. When Barnabas and Saul had finished their mission, they returned from Jerusalem, taking with them John, also called Mark. Friends, we can often learn valuable lessons for living by observing the lives of other people. Children watch parents, parents watch Oprah, I watch Don Cherry and Hockey Night in Canada, and the list goes on. So far in our trek through Acts, we have examined the lives of several real-life, flesh-and-blood people who we've learned from. We've looked at Gamaliel and Philip and Paul and Stephen, among others. In observing people, we can learn positive lessons on how to live by observing godly people. And we can learn negative lessons on how not to live by studying ungodly men and women. Today, we'll learn some helpful negative lessons on how not to live by watching one first century ungodly man strut his stuff. Friends, in spite of what others say, we are role models for others. We do learn from other people and we are influenced by them positively or negatively. So let's see what we can learn from old King Herod today. First of all, I want to clarify what may be making some of you confused today. The King Herod that we are learning from today in Acts 12 is one of four King Herods in the New Testament. Herod the Great, 
Herod Antipas, Herod Agrippa I, and Herod Agrippa II. King Herod Agrippa I is the man in our spotlight today. The way that he reacted under pressure when things didn't go his way is a prime example of how God does not want us to act. Let's trace the stages of his reactions. When Herod woke up that first century morning in Jerusalem, you can imagine he would have been pretty excited. He would have wolfed down his early morning bagels and headed straight to the royal prison to see his prize trophy. Boy, when Peter loses his head today, are the Jews ever going to love me, he may have thought, as he whistled a happy tune on his way to work. But his joy and excitement quickly left when he saw the commotion at the jail. Some very confused guards, completely baffled by what could have happened to Peter, met him. Herod's first reaction to the situation would have been confusion. He would have shared the guards' bewilderment. But his confusion quickly turned to suspicion. Listen to how the Bible puts it in verse 19. After Herod had a thorough search made for him and did not find him, he cross-examined the guards. Now, that word cross-examined can also imply questioning or interrogation by torture. Herod did not trust his own guards, and he was intent on getting a confession of these soldiers somehow. In his suspicious mind, there could only be one explanation that made any sense at all, a conspiracy among the guards. When he didn't get the confession that he wanted, however, his suspicion quickly turned to frustration. And like a child who didn't get his way, Herod let his frustration erupt into uncontrollable anger. The Bible goes on to say, and he ordered that they be executed. So Herod's frustration quickly turned to anger. And the way he dealt with all this anger is also instructive as he simply tried to run away to escape it. The Bible says, then Herod went from Judea to Caesarea and stayed there. Escapism, you know, is often a natural response for those who, like Herod, can't turn to the Lord. Sadly, it is sometimes a response that even Christians use to deal with frustration and anger. Some people flee into drugs and alcohol. Others may run to the embrace of an illicit affair. But the tragic thing about escapism is that when people try this, they are only deceiving themselves when they think that they can outrun their problems. And Herod is no exception. Herod, you see, didn't leave his sinful anger and pride back in Jerusalem. He took it with him. Herod literally became a steaming volcano of anger and other negative emotions. And unfortunately for the people of the first century cities of Tyre and Sidon, they were the innocent recipients of his anger, being showered with his molten wrath. Here's how the Bible puts it in verse 20. He had been quarreling with the people of Tyre and Sidon. They now joined together and sought an audience with him. After securing the support of Blastus, a trusted personal servant of the king, they asked for peace because they depended on the king's country for their food supply. Herod was taking out his anger on the lives of innocent people, trying to prevent them from receiving the much-needed food that they depended on from him. And like the angry husband who comes home from a frustrating day of work, slamming the door, yelling at his wife, and cursing the kids, Herod was hurting innocent people as a result of the undealt-with anger that he carried with him. 
Herod had escaped Jerusalem, but he hadn't escaped his strong, destructive emotions. And finally today, we see the end result of all this. As Herod's pride surfaced and he mounted the platform of self-exaltation, the people of Tyre and Sidon were not content to innocently suffer. So through cunning political maneuvering, the people pleaded to Herod through one of his close officials to review the situation. Herod agreed to their request, but he made one mistake that would prove to be fatal. Let's find out what it was in verses 21 and 22. On the appointed day, Herod, wearing his royal robes, sat on his throne and delivered a public address to the people. They shouted, This is the voice of a god, not of a man. You know, the ancient Jewish historian Josephus elaborates on how pompous King Herod prepared himself for that day of public acclaim. He writes, He put on a garment made wholly of silver and of a contexture truly wonderful and came into the theater early in the morning, at which time the silver of his garment being illuminated by the fresh reflection of the sun's rays upon it shone out after a surprising manner and was so resplendent as to spread a horror over those that looked intently upon him. And presently his flatterers cried out, one from one place and another from another, that he was a god. Caught up in his moment of glory and carried away by the heat of the moment, Herod did something unthinkable. But in keeping with his heart and his character, he accepted the blasphemous praise of the people. Praise that ought to have been reserved for God alone. And here is the end result in verse 23. Immediately, because Herod did not give praise to God, an angel of the Lord struck him down, and he was eaten by worms and died. What a horrible death. Josephus again gives us an even more vivid account of Herod's death. The superstitious king had been taught to believe that an owl was to be the harbinger of his fate. In the midst of the flattering plaudits of the crowd, he saw an owl sitting on the awning of the theater, whereupon he was seized with sudden pains in the belly, was carried to his palace, and died on the fifth day from a loathsome disease. What a tragic end to this man's or any man's life. And yet, what a powerful illustration this is of many people today who thrive on fame and power. Like Herod, those who crave the praise and applause of people and are willing to do virtually anything to get it. These people often become victims of the fame and power that they hungered so much after, being themselves consumed by their own pride. Death was the ultimate end in Herod's downward spiral of emotions. But learning from his negative example today can help us avoid making the same mistakes and save us from death and for the abundant and full life that Jesus wants for you and your future. There are at least three things we can learn today from Herod's negative example to help us deal with situations that life throws at us God's way. Firstly, we need to trust God's hand in everything. We need to see every situation that we encounter in life as being either caused by God to teach us positive lessons, or if not caused or willed by God, at least situations that God can eventually bring some good out of. There are two Bible verses in particular that talk about this. 
The first is Proverbs 3, verses 5 and 6, where it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to him, and he will make your paths straight. The other is Romans 28, 28. And we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Both these verses, you know, contain awesome promises that can help us greatly in our day-to-day -day living. Herod didn't choose to trust these promises. He refused to acknowledge God somehow working for good in every situation of his life. That's why, when he saw that Peter had escaped, he panicked, got confused, suspicious, frustrated, and angry. If only he could have realized that Peter's escape was part of God's plan, he would have been spared all of this stress and anxiety. And it's the same in our lives. If we are truly able to trust God's promises about bringing good somehow out of every situation we encounter, then we can face each of these situations with hope and confidence instead of being overwhelmed by negative, destructive emotions. Another thing we can learn is to handle pride God's way. Many theologians agree that pride is probably the foundational sin in each of our lives. It is the basis from which all other sins grow. We can see Herod literally being eaten up with pride before his pride led him to even being eaten alive by worms. His pride led to his downfall, death and destruction. By thinking of himself more highly than he ought and gladly receiving praise for himself, that should have been reserved only for God. A minister, a boy scout, and a computer expert were the only passengers on a small plane. The pilot came back to the cabin and said that the plane was going down, but there were only three parachutes and four people. The pilot added, I should have one of the parachutes because I have a wife and three small children. So he took one and jumped. The computer whiz said, I should have one of the parachutes because I am the smartest man in the world and everyone needs me. So he took one and jumped. The minister turned to the boy scout and with a sad smile said, you are young and I have lived a rich life. So you take the remaining parachute and I'll go down with the plane. The boy scout said, relax, Reverend. The smartest man in the world just picked up my knapsack and jumped out. <laughs> now we laugh at that story, but each of us has a little or a lot of that computer whiz in us, don't we? The Bible warns us against the negative effects of pride in our lives. Two verses in particular speak of our problem and God's solution, and they're both from Proverbs. Let's take a look at Proverbs 16, verse 18, where it says, Pride goes before destruction, a haughty spirit before a fall. Also, Proverbs 29, verse 23 says, Pride brings a person low, but the lowly in spirit gain honor. Did you hear God's solution there? But a man of lowly spirit gains honor. That's how we handle pride God's way. Pride is like a beard. It just keeps growing. The solution, however, is to shave it every day. Work hard and ask God's help to keep an attitude of humility in the forefront of your thoughts about yourself. Pride was what caused Satan's fall from heaven. Pride is what caused Eve to taste the forbidden fruit. 
The temptation to be like God was just too great for her, and she took the bait, as each of us have since then. Problems arise in our lives when we're not content with the way God made us, the type of people we are. When we feel this way, we're tempted to do things that will convince us we're something that we aren't, even if it means stepping on other people to do it. This is a big problem. What is God's solution? Shave back the pride every day. Work hard at maintaining an attitude of humility in your life. The byproducts of humility will be peace and contentment about yourself and who God made you to be. Things that so many people today, perhaps you, are seeking in life. So trusting God's hand in everything and handling pride God's way are two things we can learn from Herod's negative example today. The third thing is this, handle anger God's way too. A boy once asked, Dad, how do wars begin? Well, take the First World War, said his father. That got started when Germany invaded Belgium. Immediately his wife interrupted him. Tell the boy the truth. It began because somebody was murdered. The husband drew himself up with an air of superiority and snapped back. Are you answering the question or am I? Turning her back upon him in a huff, the wife walked out of the room and slammed the door as hard as she could. When the dishes stopped rattling in the cupboard, an uneasy silence followed, broken at length by the son when he said, Daddy, you don't have to tell me anymore. I know now. Anger was listed by the ancients as one of the seven deadly sins, and for a good reason. It consumes the angry person himself, as well as devouring many innocent people along the way. The legacy of Herod's anger in Acts 12 was several dead guards and the innocent population of two cities being faced with starvation. And none of us are immune from the effect of this potentially cancerous emotion. So like pride, anger poses a big problem in our everyday lives. But also like pride, the Bible has a practical solution for handling anger God's way. Ephesians 4 verse 26 says, In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. God knows us. He knows how you and I function and operate. He made us after all, so he should know us. And God knows that when we let anger simmer and build up and grow, it can quickly become a very ugly thing, rapidly growing out of our control. By dealing with frustration and anger when it comes up, not bottling it up, but constructively and positively sharing our feelings of frustration with the person we're frustrated with, this can often effectively stop simple frustration from developing destructively into anger. I don't believe that any of us likes the re results of anger. That's why God's way of dealing with anger quickly and directly is so effective and helpful. Recognizing when you're getting frustrated with a person, a group of people, or a situation, and exercising self-control by sharing your feelings positively with those involved can often defuse an angry explosion before it ever comes close to escalating. And best of all, it can help us not to damage relationships with people that we really do care about. 
Seeing God's hand in everything and handling both pride and anger God's way are three positive lessons we can learn from King Herod's negative example today. Granted, each of us here today encounters situations in our lives that are not as simply dealt with as I've described here. But while the grind of daily life may be more complex than what's outlined here on paper, it's still true that one of the things that makes God's wisdom so wise is that it helps us deal with complex problems by using simple solutions. And the simple but practical solutions that God gives us in these areas are things that have helped countless people like ourselves down through the centuries when they needed that help most. And they will help you too. Modern psychology and sociology continue to devise increasingly complex experiments to help us understand ourselves better and arrive at solutions for effectively dealing with conflict in our lives. But it is so very interesting to note that the more complex those experiments become, the closer their findings come to confirming simple, time-honored, biblical truth. May you focus your attention more completely on God's teachings in the Bible for your life in the days to come. And as you do, may the Lord bless you in your obedience. As always, my friends, I look so forward to our next podcast where we will move further into the book of Acts as the Holy Spirit uses His Word to help us walk daily in the power of God. Have a blessed day in Jesus. Thank you for listening to the podcast. We hope that you were encouraged by today's message. For more information regarding Wagner Ministries International, go to wagnerministries.org. And if you need prayer for anything, please email us at prayer at wagnerministries.org. God bless.